Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Today we're gonna move back to all the news episodes because, oh boy, haven't released them in a while, but there's been um, quite a lot of things actually happening. So, you know, prepare for a bunch of information dump. First of all, Russia's Digital Development, Communications and Mass Media Ministry has proposed reforms that would fine telecoms operators a percentage of their gross income for failing to install the hardware required to operate the System for Operative Investigative Activities, SORM which is basically wiretapping equipment that allows Russian law, law enforcement officials to monitor telephone conversations, text messages, and internet traffic. The ministry also wants to require the Federal Protective Service's approval before issuing new telecoms operating licenses. So, basically, they want to monitor everything. And they've also been trying hard to block various VPNs in Russia. Like, they're actively working on this so that they could monitor everyone's internet activities in Russia. Additionally, the fee for obtaining one of these licenses, the telecommunications licenses, would jump 133 times to 1 million rubles, ostensibly to lock out dubious services. Then, also, Russian retailers that specialize in selling products from Huawei are shutting down across the country. Four of the 19 vendors have already closed. The closures are reportedly the result of supply shortages and declining demand for smartphones in Russia. The manufacturer of 40% of all smartphones imported into Russia in 2020, Huawei, has since lost its market share in the country, slipping to just 3% of imported smartphones by 2021. Dmitry Kachan, the head of a law firm based in Russia's Primorsky Krai, is suing the Swedish clothing company H&M for allegedly discriminating against Russian customers on nationality grounds. He seeks 700,000 rubles, almost $12,000, in emotional damages because H&M's website currently will not ship products listed as in stock to locations inside Russia. In early March, in response to the invasion of Ukraine, H&M suspended operations in Russia and closed its 155 stores nationwide, joining roughly 1,000 other foreign companies in boycott of Russia. Sergei Mironov, the head of the nominal opposition party Just Russia for Truth, and again it's just nominal opposition, complained in a telegram post on Wednesday that Moscow city inspectors ordered him to remove a pro-invasion banner displayed in his office citing numerous appeals from citizens. Mironov questioned the existence of these appeals, accusing city officials of preventing patriotic displays in the capital that mention the war in which the country's fate is being decided. 
Denis Pushilian, the head of the self-declared Donetsk People's Republic, fired his government on Wednesday and replaced the cabinet with multiple ex-Russian state officials, including Prime Minister Vitaly Khoshchenko, formerly a senior official in Russia's industry and trade ministry. Alexander Kostomarov, formerly the first lieutenant governor of Russia's Ulyanovsk region, and Yevgeny Sontsev, a former aide to the head of Russia's construction and housing and public utilities ministry. Pushilin stated that the personal changes are needed to, to strengthen integration processes. For months, rumors have circulated that the Kremlin plans to stage referendums in occupied regions of Ukraine as a prelude to annexation, and we'll come back to that shortly. Meanwhile, Gerhard Schröder has withdrawn his consent to be nominated to Gazprom's board of directors. The former German chancellor was nominated in February before Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. At the time, he was serving as chairman of Rosneft's board of directors, a position he didn't abandon until late May. And this is quite telling because currently, well, just today, Germany forbade Spain to deliver 40 tanks to Ukraine, Leopard 2 tanks, and at the same time, Germany hasn't delivered their replacement tanks to Poland for all the tanks Poland has delivered. And they also have failed to deliver any of their tanks to Greece, so that Greece could deliver their tanks to Ukraine. Because how this works is that countries deliver, countries closer to the border deliver their military equipment to Ukraine, and as part of this NATO deal, countries further away then deliver replacements to the countries who've sent their tanks. So Germany is now lagging behind and not doing what they're supposed to do again. And at the same time, this wouldn't be so egregious, except Germans are, like, yelling openly that they're doing more than anyone else. Which is quite crazy, actually. And uh, I think that Mr. Schultz should really reconsider some of his options, really. Mortality rates in Russia have fallen below their pre-pandemic levels. Health Minister Mikhail Murashko reported on Friday, noting that COVID-19 cases nevertheless remain high, because Russia is an absolute record holder in COVID cases as well. The minister offered no concrete figures, however. The Federal State Statistics Service said Russia's natural population decline in 2021 was more than 1 million people, an all-time record in Russia's post-Soviet history. In early 2022, officials report that the Russian population shrunk by, 600, by, by 692,900 people, the big, biggest annual decline in 19 years. Estonia's foreign ministry summoned Russia's ambassador, Vladimir Lipayev, on Friday to condemn, Putin, condemn Putin's recent remarks about the Great Northern War in the early 18th century, when Peter I of Russia led a coalition against the Swedish Empire, returning Moscow, quote, returning Moscow's control over the lands in the Baltic region and expanding Imperial Russia into Europe. He stated, quote, the same is true to the West, relating to the Estonian city of Narva. He returned it to Russian control and reinforced it. Putin told a group of young business owners on June the 9th. And yeah, when Russia starts stating that all the Baltics are their natural, you know, rightful clay, as we in the wargaming, uh, wargaming hobby used to say, that's quite scary because, well, hello, I live here. State Duma lawmakers have drafted legislation that would expand existing mass media limits on foreign ownership to online classified portals, limiting foreign stakes to 20%. The bill's sponsors warned that these websites accumulate vast amounts of Russian nationals' personal data. Lawmakers singled out the Dutch-owned website Avito, a Russian's favorite place to find jobs. At the same time, uh, Russia also wants to eliminate all their centralized exams, 
and they want to kind of fully get rid of all our traditional educational systems of, say, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, because in Soviet Russia, in Soviet Union, there was only one university education, which was five years long, or sometimes longer, which basically was the equivalent of the master's. See, the problem is that although many countries have problems with their centralized exams, in Russia it was a bit different because how the nomenclature worked and how the schools work, because their system is that at the end of the school year, at the end of you finish your high school, there your teachers who basically taught you are the ones rating your exams as well, and it led to massive corruption. And as Russia also holds not only the central, like in Latvia at least, centralized exams at the end of school are also the are also the exams, like the grades for which you step into your university. But in Russia, universities previously had their own entry exams. And if those are to return, then again, massive corruption will ensue. Because previously, if you think about it, there was a, because of all the massive corruption issues, if you weren't rich, you couldn't get into good universities. And, you know, they just want to swap this out. But that'll hurt them more because, yeah, paying extra money to get your degree legitimized, oh, that's going to hurt a bit. Ukrainian presidential advisor Mikhailo Podolyak told the BBC that between 100 and 200 Ukrainian soldiers are being killed every day. The highest death toll any Ukrainian official has yet acknowledged publicly during the war with Russia. The main reason for the significant losses, he explained, is Russian superiority in artillery. To reach parity with Moscow, Podolyak said, Kiev needs hundreds of advanced artillery systems and as many as 300 missile systems. Which is why Zelensky has been actively pushing for artillery uh, units to be, to be being delivered for Ukraine, and which is why he's, well, so aggressive about this. So far, we know that the Ukrainian army has lost at least 10,000 troops, which is, well quite a lot because you know Ukraine's population is about 44 million meanwhile Russia has lost at least 30,000 troops but that's like in total of everything because again there's if you look at the casualties in Russian side well it's not just the Russian army fighting there's Russia there's LDP there's the whole People's Republics conscripts and mobilized people then there's their militias then there's private warfare companies it's like a huge salad of random random people it's quite crazy really uh, and the ministry of defense really only accounts for the last uh, actual soldiers which is a bit weird the russian bookstore literaru has stopped selling a book about primorsky partisans six young men who went to war in 2010 against the local police accusing them of corruption and brutality Apparently because the author, journalist Oleg Kashin, is a designated foreign agent. Which is quite interesting because, well, yeah, Russia's gotten to banning books. But remember I mentioned the, the thing about how they want to annex regions. Well, you know, my colleagues at Medusa got some info from their sources, which were then confirmed by my sources, that um, Kremlin is planning to annex the Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson and Zaporozhye regions of Ukraine and combine them into a single federal district within Russia, which is confirmed now by multiple sources, both to me and various other journalists. One of these sources told Medusa that, quote, the district should appear after referendums on joining Russia are held in these territories. Ukrainian territories will no, not accede to existing districts. Sources also told both me and Medusa that Kremlin official Boris Rapoport, the deputy head of the presidential directorate for state council affairs, has been tapped to supervise the creation of this new federal district. Rapoport was involved in the Kremlin's Donbas policy making back in 2014, working alongside Putin's aide and Donbas point man Vladislav Surko. 
Inside the Putin's administration, Rapoport is referred to as a crisis manager, best known for working on the electoral campaigns of Kremlin, Kremlin-backed candidates. According to sources, Rapoport played a key role in salvaging Alexander Beglov's run for governor of St. Petersburg in 2019. He is also currently recruiting personnel to run regional municipal administrations in the Donbas, as well as civil military administrations in the Kherson and Zaporozhye regions. These same officials will be expected to handle the preparations for staging referendums on joining Russia. Totally legit referendums, I swear, comrade. Why are you not happy anymore? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Kremlin has been seeking out political strategists to work as political officers in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine. One source described the role of using the Soviet era term polyetruk, or basically political manager, so that everyone follows the party line properly. According to sources close to Putin's administration, this work has now now intensified. What's more, a different Kremlin department has been put in charge of the hiring process. The presidential directorate for state council affairs, which is led by Sergei Kirienko's associate Alexander Kharchev and his deputy Boris Rapoport. They're looking for people who have experience working with the opposition, who can operate a bit unconveniently because the tasks in Donbas are not trivial. Speaking on condition of anonymity, several political strategists told journalists of Medusa, and I would like to find out who those sources were because, hey, I know that you guys are listening, please, touch, please, please get in touch with me as well, that they've already been offered jobs as political officers in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine. Officially, they would be given positions as deputy mayors tasked with supervising politics, public life, media, preparations for referendums, and even social programs. Now, we know also that Boris Rapoport is already in the Donbass and that he also visits the Kherson and Zaporozhye regions periodically. One source also said that Rapoport is the main candidate for the position of presidential envoy to the new federal district. Kriyenko wants to control the processes and put his confidant there. And... Well, Kremlin is already prioritizing Russian officials when it comes handling out jobs in the occupied regions of Ukraine. Like I mentioned, on Wednesday, DNR head Denis Prashilin fired all his cabinet and replaced the cabinet with several former Russian state officials. And uh, we, hear, we heard comments that, quote, Kostomarov knows how to break people, how to achieve what the bosses demand from him. Even when there's resistance, he comes in and brings everyone to heel. In fact, Kostomarov will be the chief of staff, the local Kirienko in Donetsk. On Thursday, LNR head Leon, Leonid Pasichnik named Vladislav Kuznetsov, the ex-deputy governor of Russia's Kurgan region, as his deputy prime minister. Quote, for, Kiy- for Kirienko, this is a model region. He wants to show Putin that he has a management team, that he can take on even such complex tasks and become successor, a, close, clo- a source close to the Putin administration stressed. The source added that Kirienko wants to control the very serious financial flows that will be directed towards the region. 
The person also said that the DNR's Pushilin and LNR's Pashechnik may also be replaced by Russian officials in the near future. Murky local figures shouldn't be messing up the distribution of Russian state funding. The money has to go in the right direction. So, quite obviously, weird things are happening. Meanwhile, and again, thanks to Dmitry and Wartranslated.com, these guys are the best, they translate all this stuff, and, well, as my arm is still in the cost for at least a week, yeah, I'm super happy that uh, Dmitry is translating this, so please go to War Translated, he uh, translates much more stuff that I put on my shows, because he translates intercepted calls, and he translates everything, so that, you know, it's important that if you want to know more about this war, to read this guy as well, but uh, from him, we have a nice little prediction from our good old best nemesis, Igor Girkin. He predicts a battle for initiative. Quote, <clears throat> just, a week or t- just in a week or two, the battle for the initiative will commence. In military ring- lingo, this means to decide who will be advancing and who will be defending. We can pre- we can co- we can- who can put pressure or attack? Prior to that, we were attacking. We practically smashed our foreheads in Donbass at the strong points of the adversary. Naturally, the enemy preserved their defenses, their reserves. They did not fight for every meter. Yet now, they're fighting literally for every centimeter trying to stop us, especially since now they... Uh, after our troops broke through the first line of defense, which went on the rubizhne severodonetsk popasne severodolatsk line, and then to Avdiivka. We first bit a piece of Rubizhne, I emphasize a bit, then broke through the front line of Papasnya. They started withdrawing troops where a cauldron could have formed. They prepared Lishansk and Severodonetsk for a circle defense, in addition to the fact that they didn't want to leave the reinforced Zolotoya area, which is also comfortable. They're holding on to this area and don't want to give up, fighting for it fiercely, even at the danger of, a, of an encirclement. We're trying to cut them off. In fact, we don't even need to go too far here. We need to get through to, 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 to Siversky Donetsk and cut off the whole group, but we are unable to do it. Ukrainians are leaning on Bakhmut and Solyadar, which is the second line of their defense. They started constructing back in 2015 and never stopped. They continue building field fortifications. Therefore, by leaning on these fortifications, they are counting on stopping and exhausting us. The Donetsk infantry is 70% gone, at least the professionals. They are constantly reinforced. The mobilization started again, but... Yeah, it's pretty bad. We, the Russian army itself, also have large losses. I won't be saying how large. This way, they locked our main forces in the battle for Donbas. If I was them, I would keep saving up a part of their forces the same way they are saving them up for up until now. I would have created a couple of strike groups and I would have attacked right now, right around mid-June, perhaps at the end. I don't know how prepared they are, what cohesion they have. On the other hand, if I was our generals, and their Girkin obviously means Russian, after realizing the Donbas group is not working, I would have continued attempts to encircle Lyshansk to at least cut off part of the group that is located there and destroy it. Meanwhile, I would have saved up some troops also and prepared the strike in less reinforced area, so I'm waiting for a battle for the initiative. Either we start advancing somewhere with fresh forces that are urgently being formed, or it will be Ukraine who already created the strike group. They've definitely created it in Kherson near Mykolaiv. There is data that they have everything ready for an advance. Can we hold it? It's a big question, since defending there, and Ukrainians know it very well, are the same Donetsk militias, the Mobiki, who have fuck all equipment. The same Mobik were defending at Kharkiv. Ukrainians attacked with fairly small forces and forced them to the border. We had to deploy from reserves professional Russian BTGs to at least prevent the enemy from reaching the border at its full strength. The same situation is in Kherson. If I was Ukrainians, I would have attacked. So I'm waiting for them to attack. Either at Kherson or Krivirich. Maybe they'll strike sooner, maybe later. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in a month. But it's definitely happening. So of course, we're gonna, well, 
wait and see. The thing is that at this moment, Ukrainians are shelling Don Donetsk a lot, and the, the, the Russians are complaining about it a lot at the same time. Meanwhile, uh, the battle for Severodonetsk continues, and after massive shelling from the Russian side, in a, in, a, in a chemical factory where civilians are now hiding, hundreds of civilians are now hiding, there's been a massive fire over there, which is just being updated. It literally popped up in the news right now, and I sadly don't have much more information to give you, but this will come up in the future episodes. Until then, thank you for listening. Remember, happiness is mandatory. Check out, please, if you're a Battletech fan as I am, because I'm a nerd, uh, check out Dusk Haunters on YouTube. He's a great friend of mine, and I really think you should listen to listen to his show and watch him. He's severely underrated. Please consider becoming our Patreon on patreon.com slash border. Uh, you can also just click the little tiny icon over there on our Twitter, which is Eastern at Eastern underscore border on Twitter. We'd be really happy if we could reach 20,000 followers. We're at 16.9 thousand right now. Also, well, donate to Ukrainians. Go back home. Come back home alive. UA is great. So do that. And if you want to listen to the show without advertisements, go to be either become our patron and listen to the episodes on Patreon or go to the Eastern Border.lv. All the episodes there are also ad free. And if you want to support the show with a one time payment, which will be super, which we will be super thankful for, well, you can just click the donate button there as well. But at the end of the day, I hope you learned something new. Oh yeah, by the way, uh, someone, some of you asked me what does this mean. is literally goodbye comrades or see you again comrades. So, you know, now you know. And uh, always, happiness is mandatory.